0: So we are uh, continuing in a series that we started on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, a series that we will be in throughout the season of Lent, uh, simply called Unveiled Grace. And it's a series where we are reminded that we have the God that we love and worship is a gracious God. And he loves to bless undeserving people like you and me. Uh, Last Wednesday, we learned that The more you understand about God's grace, the more you understand God's heart. And the more you understand God's heart, the more you will be drawn to Him and love Him and be grateful to Him. We also learned that when it comes to God's grace, it's a lot like a multifaceted diamond. It has all these different aspects or expressions of it that you really just cannot confine into a simple, single definition. So during this season of Lent, over these next couple of weeks, we're going to unveil these different expressions and explore a little bit more the heart of our amazing God. Um, As we do that, we will see what, what what a gracious God we have. And as we unveil these different aspects of grace, we will learn that God gives us a grace that frees it frees us from the, from the trap of perfectionism. It's a grace that sustains us when we feel uh, weak and feel like quitting and giving up instead of remaining faithful and obedient. Uh, a grace that empowers us to extend God's grace to people we feel don't deserve it. Yeah, they hurt us. It's a grace that also renews us daily in our relationship with Jesus as our Savior. A grace that heals us from those hidden wounds and scars that sometimes we carry way too long. A grace that on Monday, Thursday, we will learn comforts us in our time of spiritual weakness and need. And on Good Friday, a a, a grace that restores us through the blood-stained cross of our Savior Jesus. And on Easter, a grace that calls us to either begin or maybe just draw closer in our walk with Jesus as our King. Now on Ash Wednesday, we kick-started things off by looking at God's grace that cleanses us from guilt. A guilt that we cannot handle on our own, even though we try. And it certainly messes up our lives, but it's a a grace that, that washes that guilt away for us. And today what I want to do is I want to look at a grace that is just completely undeserved. A grace that that even though we are not worthy of deserving it or receiving it, uh, God gives it to us anyway. And as you will see as we work through today's message, this is a very fundamental, foundational grace for Christianity. It is the basis upon which we build our faith as Christ followers. Micah 7, would you read this, these two verses with me, please? Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. wow. Right? Wow, What a beautiful description of a grace that is undeserved. So what I'd like to do in the time that I have with you is just walk through four foundational truths around which this grace that is undeserved is built. Four foundational truths that can, by which you, me, anyone, can know we are forgiven and saved. And again, this is basic Christianity. This is Christianity 101. Uh, These are the truths on which we then are able to unveil those other uh, expressions of God's grace. From here, we can can pull apart the rest of God's grace and see what an amazing God we have. Fundamental truth number one is that God's grace is his gift to you. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So God's grace is a gift right? It is a gift. This verse from Romans 3 makes it pretty clear, and it's a very powerful statement. But we live in a world, and you know this, that messes this up. We live in a society and a culture that, that completely misses the mark on this. In fact, if you were to walk up to 50 random people and ask them, hey, how do you think you get into heaven? You would hear all kinds of different answers. A lot of those answers would sound very similar to what we see on this video clip. Let's watch. How does a person get to heaven? A person dies and goes to heaven. this world, nobody's going to heaven. I don't know. never really thought about it. How does a person get to heaven? I would like to think it's because they're a decent human being. How does a person get to heaven? Not the way I'm getting there, that's for sure. (laughs) That's a tough one. I don't know. Hopefully doing the right things. How does a person get to heaven? Actually, you don't get there because you're already there. It's already equal. Every day, you got day, you got night. So you're in heaven and hell all the time. So how are you going to get where you already are? How does a person get to heaven? How does a person get to heaven? I have no idea. I'm, I don't know. I'm not religious. I'm sorry. Heaven's inside us already. So I don't think you get to heaven. I think that something that you just recognize inside yourself and inside other people. To heaven? Not not the good old way of the purgatory. These days it's like good deeds. How does a person get to heaven? I don't know that there really is one. Oh, I know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's one of the reasons you get on heaven when you work hard. You know, the easy answer is be a good Christian because I'm Christian. You could be a good Jew. You could be a good person of Islamic faith. Doesn't matter. How does a person get to heaven? Through the front door? Who opens that front door? Is ever garden Heaven's gate at the time that you arrive? You go right through the front door if they let you in, and if they don't let you in, you turn you away, and you try another day. OK. So those are some pretty interesting answers. And yet you know what we just read from Romans. God says salvation is absolutely free. And that is the fundamental difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world, whether it's Hindu or Buddhism or uh, Islam or Mormonism or Jehovah Witnesses. Every religion, every other religion in the world is built on the word work. This religion says you do these things, this other one says you do those things, and it's all built upon your ability to work to achieve bliss or to earn heaven or to gain God's approval or whatever. But regardless of whatever rituals or regulations or rules that you follow, it is up to you to accomplish, to work. To get into heaven on your own. That is incredibly different. It is night and day different from Christianity, which says, and Christianity is the only religion, only religion in the world that teaches this. It is the only religion that is built on the word grace, which is the idea that, that God simply gives heaven to you. All right? So there's nothing for you to do because Jesus has already done it on the cross. Right? He paid for your salvation. He paid for your sin. You know, there's there nothing that is left for you to do because it's already been done. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, it is finished, the it is your salvation. It's you and your ability now as a gift to get into heaven. It's great. So there's nothing left for you to do. Again, it's all been done. And honestly, this is the best deal you could ever receive that you will never be offered a better gift than this. God's grace is available. It's undeserved, and God gives it as a gift. Foundational truth number two. God's grace is received by faith. Ephesians 2 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, which we have established, not by works so that no one can boast. So this incredible gift that God gives you, okay, it's his grace, and you simply receive it in faith. Now, faith, understand, faith does not somehow uh, help you earn it or make you worthy of receiving this gift. Faith simply accepts it from God as a gift that it is. Let me illustrate this for you. I have a $20 bill here, okay, and I'm going to come down, and I'm going to offer this $20 bill to you as a gift. Now, What do you do? Now, you you might be thinking, why isn't it a $100 bill, Pastor Zardy? (laughs) And you might think that, but um, it ain't happening. So if I give you this $20 bill, what do you need to do? It's my gift to you. What do you do? You wonder if there's a catch. But there's no catch. You're killing me. I want to give this $20 bill to you. (laughs) Okay. Okay, there you go. And that's it, right? The simple truth is that you take it that's it, that's faith. It's just trusting, there is no gimmick, there's no catch, it's not a trick. I'm not gonna come back and say, okay, pack, and, you know, give back up. No, it's yours, it's yours, right? There you go, it pays to sit up front. <laughs> Romans four, verse 16. Would you read this with me, please? Therefore, the promise comes by faith So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Right, so God's grace is received as a gift in faith. We just believe and trust. Yep, that's what it is. It's a gift, So salvation, heaven, comes not by our performance, but by God's promise. It comes not by our goodness, but by God's grace. All right? You don't get into heaven based on something that you do. Because Jesus has already done it for you. That's why he gets the credit. That's why he gets the glory. Does that make sense? There's nothing left for you to do. There's nothing you can do. It is a gift you receive in faith. Now in the Bible, there are a number of stories of undeserved grace. And I'd like to just share a couple of those with you. The first is the story of a guy by the name, he's a a disabled young boy by the name of Mephibosheth. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mephibosheth. Can you imagine him growing up with that name? It's like, how would his kids, hey, fibby. I don't even know how you, but anyway, Mephibosheth, and if you haven't read it, it's a great story, 2 Samuel 9, but Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, who is the son of King Saul in the Old Testament. After David kills Goliath, he pledges allegiance, of course, to King Saul, king of Israel, but King Saul is jealous of David because of his popularity, so Saul tries to kill David. David never retaliates. David and King Saul's son, Jonathan, father of Mephibosheth, become best friends. And one day they make a covenant that if something were to happen to the other, they would take care of each other's families. Well, a little bit later in time, King Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. David is crowned king. All of Saul's household flees. They escape, thinking that David's going to kill them all to eliminate any potential threat or competition for the throne, which he wasn't going to do, but they didn't know that, so they were heading for the hills. Mephibosheth, he's five years old at the time. As they're fleeing, his nurse picks him up, and I'm not exactly sure because I've read it I don't know how many times, but he either gets dropped or he trips, but he breaks both of his legs and he becomes a paraplegic. Poor guy, I know, really? So fast forward maybe another 20 years, David is asking about the household of Saul and if there's anybody that he doesn't know about. And he said, well, there's this guy named Mephibosheth. And he invites Mephibosheth into his palace. Mephibosheth is afraid, thinking that David is going to kill him. Because, you know, he's part of the, the previous line. But David says, no, 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 don't be afraid. I want you to live here in the palace for the rest of your life. I'm going to pay and take care of your bills. I'm going to take care of all your needs. I'm going to have you sit at my table. I'm going to call you. I'm going to act, act, have you act as one of my sons. I'm going to treat you like one of my own family. That is undeserved grace. And here's what God does for you. He looks at you, broken and crippled in sin, and he says, I paid your debt, and I want you to be part of my family. I want you to sit at my table. I want to call you my son and daughter. That's undeserved grace, and you receive it in faith as a gift. A second story, a lot more familiar, is the story of a father, the story that Jesus teaches of a father who has two young sons. The youngest son goes up to his dad and says, Dad, I'd like to have my share of this state. Which seems like an innocent enough request until you realize he's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so that I could have my cut of the cash. Well, he gets his cut of the cash. He goes off, blows it, lives homeless on the streets. And in fact, as a Jew, this is just despicable. He ends up feeding pigs. He's so hungry though he wishes he could eat what the pigs are eating. So, ew. Then he comes to his senses and he realizes that that what he that, that what he had done was just horrible sin. So he goes back to apologize. And here's the this is the story, this is the, part of the story I want you to pay attention to. As he's a far away away, his father sees him. And here's what the father doesn't do. This is key. Father doesn't do this, tapping his foot. You know, you bet you better crawl crawling back. He doesn't. He doesn't wait for the son to get cleaned up to get rid of the fresh pig smell. He runs. He doesn't walk. He runs to his son. And he picks him up and he embraces him and he kisses him in spite of the fresh pig smell. He welcomes him immediately back into his family. Even though that son deserved to be judged and condemned and rejected, should have been, the father offers unconditional love and undeserved grace. And that's what God offers you and me. It is a gift that we receive through faith. Foundational truth number three, God's grace is available to everyone. Regardless of your background or your status or age or gender or ethnicity, regardless if you are religious your whole life or you know, non-religious or no religious background, doesn't matter. God's grace is available to everyone, everywhere. Romans 10 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Okay, not just, it doesn't say those who are the smartest, those who are the best looking, or those who work the hardest. It says everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord in faith will enjoy God's grace and be saved. Again, when you want getting into heaven, it's not based on anything that you need to do, because there's nothing left for you to do. It has already been done for you. So God's grace is completely undeserved. You receive it as a gift through faith, and it's available to everyone everywhere. Foundational truth number four: God's grace is through Christ alone. John 1, verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And you know that, right? You know grace comes through Jesus. You understand that. But do you know why grace only comes through Jesus and him alone? Do you know why Jesus is the only way you can get into heaven? I mean, why not Muhammad? Why not Buddha as well? Why not somebody else? Why is it that Jesus has a corner on this market and it's only through him that you get into heaven? And the answer is simple. Because Jesus, and only Jesus, paid the price of admission for you to get into heaven. No one else in all of history ever did that, but Jesus did. On the cross, he paid the punishment that you and I deserve for our sins. So Jesus earned God's grace for us. It cost him his life, but he paid the price of admission so that we could get into heaven. Romans 5, let's read this together. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So just as through the sin of Adam, back at the beginning of time, death flowed to all people, by God's grace, Jesus brings life, eternal life, to all who believe. It is a gift of grace. It's completely undeserved. But God gives it to us, and he allows it to happen because he allows the righteousness of his son to cover the filth of our sin. And let me illustrate it this way. This is a piece of paper. This represents me. This is a Bible. This represents Jesus, okay? Now, if you—I don't know if you can see this very well—but this piece of paper is pretty beat up. There's chunks missing. Uh, it's stained. It's torn. It's got a really awful smell. Uh, it is. There's lots of imperfections. This is me. Let's be clear. This is me. My life is torn with sin. It is stained with imperfections. There are things that I have done that I am ashamed of, things I would never want you or anyone else to know about, things where I've hurt people, things I wish I could do again. This is me. It, I, it is ugly, ugly. Okay? I, there, and, I, and I look at my life and I think, there's no way God's going to want me looking like this. No way that I'm going to ever get into heaven looking like this. And that's true. But when I go to God in in humble repentance and I confess my stains and my, my, uh, my imperfections and the guilty things of my life, Jesus opens up his arms and he hides me in his grace. See how that works? By God's grace. You don't see my, I mean, do you see my imperfections? Do you see the tears and the stains anymore? Yes or no? No, no, you're hidden. You, me, we're hidden in Jesus. His holiness, his righteousness covers our garbage. George mentioned a moment ago, there's this blank sheet. Uh, All of you have one of these uh, if you had a bulletin. On Ash Wednesday, we invited everybody to take a pen and just write down a sin or sins that they might be struggling with and to write them down and then to kind of roll them up the short ways, not the long ways, and then stick them in those boards that you see on the sides of our worship center. They were up front on Ash Wednesday. Now they're over on the sides. And we did this just as a tangible way to bring our sin to God and say, God, here it is. I'm giving it to you and put it on your lap and I'm walking away because you're going to handle it and I don't have to. So I'd like to invite you to do that as well. I'd like you to take that piece of paper and just write something down, keep it so it's, it's just between you and God. And then roll it up. And here's what I'd like you to do if it, if it works. Um, during communion, and it's going to work best for the two of you on the uh, two groups on the side, you can come up, receive the communion, and then put them in the boards. For those of you who are in the middle, after you take communion, you can walk over there and put them in the boards, or you can wait till after the service. But I would just invite you to, to take, a, take the opportunity, take uh, advantage of the opportunity to write it down and in a tangible way. Just give it to God. And know that, 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 that God who takes your messed up life through faith, which is available to anyone, everywhere, he will hide you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is so important that you understand that. Uh, in Romans, I'm sorry, in Galatians chapter two, Paul says, "I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If you could get into heaven on your own or by being really good, then the cross would not have been needed, and Jesus' death would have been completely meaningless. But you and I cannot. Not looking like this, we can't get into God's perfect holy heaven. The only way we get in is a gift through faith." Available to everyone. And it's in Jesus and Jesus alone. Some of you know I grew up in Parma. Uh, I actually, my dad was the pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church right on Ridge Road. I went to that school as well, Bethany School. and. Um, I think it was sixth or seventh grade, I learned this acronym for grace. It's a pretty familiar thing, maybe for some of you, maybe you haven't seen this before. I teach it in the new member class as well, but this is a great way to remember what grace is. It's undeserved. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. The riches of his love, his forgiveness, and eternal life through the death of Jesus Christ. And again, you won't be offered a better deal than that. You just won't. It is the greatest gift. It's God's grace, and it's undeserved. And you receive it through faith. It's available to everyone and everywhere, everywhere and it's through Jesus Christ alone. Those are the, that, that's the building block of Christianity right there. Those fundamental, four fundamental truths. It's Christianity 101. So let me just close and challenge you in a couple of ways. First, let me challenge you to connect with God this week. Maybe get into his word and read through those passages that I shared with you today or something else and just remind yourself, nope, I don't have to do anything else. Don't have to. It's a gift. It's already done through Jesus. And then connect with God, not just in his word, but in prayer and praise him for that gift. Second, recognize that God offers his grace to all people, especially those people that you don't think deserve it. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, how long they've done it. God's grace is available to everyone. And then with that in mind, show love to others. What's the best way you can do that? Tell them about God's grace. It's a gift. So they're not lost trying to figure out how to get in on their own. That it's, it's, The price of admission has been paid. Work through that acronym form or whatever, but just so they can experience God's grace that is undeserved. It's a gift, it's received in faith, Uh, it's available to everyone, everywhere, and it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, we realize that we can never be perfect enough to earn a place in your perfect heaven on our own. We, We can't. We're filthy, we're messed up. And we know that the only way to get in is by your grace, undeserved grace. Forgive us for thinking that We could be good enough or do enough. Thank you for paying for our salvation on the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for a gift that we receive through faith that's available to everyone through your son, Jesus, our savior. In his holy name we pray, amen.